Hey campers, welcome back to another episode of Camper Mon. On this week's episode, our friend, mentor, and creative director of Camper Mon, Mike Stibbs, sat down to interview AC Curtis and Jason Pillow, two guys who collectively have years of experience fighting human trafficking. They don't see the victims because they refuse to see what's going on around them. They don't accept or look into the cases that briefly make appearances on the media. And the media is to blame for a lot of this because they refuse to report on the actual events and actual facts that matter to these children. They refuse to look at the cases of the numerous cases of missing persons and missing children reports just from the child protective services and the foster care systems alone. Because one day you all, on the sound of this podcast voice, may hear, depart from me, you wicked one, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. Many millennia ago, at the peak of Mount Hermon in the Golan Heights, a group of divine beings known as the Watchers, or Sons of God, descended in an act of rebellion against their king, Yahweh. By teaching them the secret knowledge of the cosmos, they sought to wrestle dominion of the earth away from humanity. They bore children with them, and their offspring were both human and divine. These giants are the demigods of old, and the events that transpired would forever alter the course of human history. At Camp Herman, we discuss the oddities of the ancient world and their lingering impact on our world today. Welcome. My name is Mike Stibbs, and this is a Camp Herman News Special. The following interview is with my good friend Jason Pillow and his ministry partner, AC. AC is an experienced and seasoned overseas missionary who specializes in setting children free from sex trafficking rings. And Jason Pillow and his wife Janice do similar types of ministry right here in the U.S. of A. They've got an awesome new ministry that is ready to set people free right now. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Three bros talking, man, talking about, you know, loving God and trying to save some children. So, Jason, you kind of gave me a little bit of a rundown between you two right there. But what what exactly are you guys guys working on right now together? Well, basically, uh, when me and AC met, I was actually working with my wife's original ministry, which was Memphis Mission. Right. And uh she had a really good structure, really good setup, going out, witnessing to the girls on the streets. And it led to a whole lot of information that came in that was actionable. But I was running security for her and overwatch protection details, that kind of stuff. And uh, there was so much information that we realized real quickly, like, look, we need a larger structure. We need operational teams and connections that we simply don't have right now. So, uh, Janice had actually known AC well before me and AC had ever met. And, uh, Ace, you know, she called up AC for a few of the operations that we ran. And then, uh, I ended up helping me and her ended up helping out AC with a few things like in Texas and stuff like that. But we built this really strong relationship. You know, I mean, if you're looking for someone that really loves the Lord, you're not going to be able to search much harder than looking at AC over there. Uh, so we teamed up and then, you know, there was some stuff that happened and, 
we both kind of had to go dark for a little while, right? But, you know, when you have that calling from God to focus on a particular mission, you can't go dark for too long before he's like, hey, we got to pull you up by your bootstraps and get you back on point. So AC reached back out to us and we wound up connecting again. And uh, we did the conference uh, on spiritual warfare up in Ohio a few months ago with Tom and everybody and actually had the table set up and. You know, we were trying to let people know, okay, that we've teamed up now. This is our structure, right? So our structure is built in two separate facets. We've got the overseas operations, and then we've got the domestic operations here in America. Now, they vary uh, as far as what we can get away with because the laws and stuff in America favor the criminal more than they do the victim. Uh, So we're setting up a structure now to where not only can we conduct the investigations, gather evidence here in the states and bring some of these people down, but we're also trying to set up a structure that will allow us to provide contracted security personnel to actually watch over and protect these victims and be contracted out on a need basis uh, to protect them from any attack, intimidation, gaslighting, anything of that nature. So they can actually go through the process of detoxing and healing. And uh, we've even we're even teaming up with uh, Tom and, you know, some of his people from uh, through the black to provide counseling and spiritual mentoring and healing for the victims as well. So you're telling me that, you know, this started from, you know, your wife doing ministry basically on the streets. And so these people that you're coming across, they have some like some pretty messed up issues people oh, yeah. their lives that are doing some bad things to them and that's what you refer to as like actionable right like you're not just ministering to them saying oh well god will make it okay you're like intervening in their lives is that correct yes that is absolutely correct yeah. is there any examples that you guys can share with us i mean we can keep names out of it Oh, yeah. There's been several examples uh, here in America. Uh, Several of the women and stuff that we've come across that we've ministered to. And uh, a lot of them had experienced severe ritual abuse and were very clearly suffering from dissociative identity disorder and, you know, heavy drug use and everything else. Uh, And we noticed the longer that Janice was out in the field ministering to them, it was building that trust. You know, because this is someone that they could rely on and they've never really had that before. Uh, So eventually they got to the point where they trusted us and start giving us information about, hey, uh, we were at this party and there were five or six children there that were being trafficked and they were connected to this individual. And so we started building, you know, human intel off of this. Uh, so I've been working on branching out, teaming up with some other people I know in the military or the veteran community to further dig on digital basis to try and gain us even more access to this to find out locations, possible areas these children are being hidden and stuff like that. But that's just on the domestic side. I mean, the international side, I mean, AC's got some stories that knock your socks off. Well, a- AC, can you share us share an example with us? Wow. Well, to pick out of the examples of over 12,000 young minor girls overseas sold often for a motorcycle part or 50 bucks or whatever. 
that would be pretty tough to do, but most of the places where we went, what we did was we conducted international investigations from that standpoint, then with complete with um, uh, all kinds of in, intelligence uh, and surveillance and all that. But when we were boots on the ground, high heels on the ground, whatever we were in theater, we were, uh, we would accomplish the task of rescuing. And ultimately, um, we were able to rescue from many, we shouldn't talk about right now, the groups, but these very bad actors in theater, we were able to rescue over 12,000 girls over a period of 10 years. And in and most of those, then, the very next step for us was even in the IDP camps or in the in the even in their homes in country. We never took them out of country, but in country, wherever we would get them, whether it was Africa or Asia or the Middle East, whatever, we would conduct um, uh, neurological uh, trauma therapy, um, an incredible neurological trauma therapy. A lot of times, most of the time, uh, remote neurological trauma therapy. So we basically did everything. We did the front, the front end stuff preliminary stuff. We did the action stuff in the middle of it to make sure we infilled and exfilled everyone safely stuff. And then we did the after action stuff. We did A, A to Z, whatever that young girl or woman needed, we went all the way in the nth, in the nth degree. So, and I worked with some of the greatest people on planet earth. Um, and it was a hundred percent Jesus Christ led <laughs> not anything I did because I'm not anybody great or special or awesome, or I have no credentials. I'm just simply a three decade missionary men, uh, Christian who stuck his neck where it probably shouldn't have stuck it. But I did it because Matthew 25 I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was bound in chains in a warehouse being whipped and raped 20 times a night and you came to me. And then they'll say, when did we do this for you? And you'll say, well, you see that little girl. When you did it for that little 12-year-old girl, you did it for me. So incensed by that, uh, I couldn't get away from it. We, people like Jason and I, and... Tim Ballard and many others that are not having movies made out of them don't have Jim Caviezel or uh, anybody starring in them just went out and did it. Just, we did it. I remember the line in the movie trailer where the wife told the husband, Tim, quit your job and go do it. And many of the lines that Tim Ballard used in that movie, the one liners I'm sitting there going, Oh my gosh, I use those same lines in the thick of it. W would you do this for your daughter? You know, those kind of things. And what I'm getting at is you don't think about it when you're in the middle of it. You just think about her. Dude, so how did you get, AC, how did you get involved in this? Like, what's what's the origin story? 
I mean, it just, you didn't just wake up one day and make that decision, right? I mean, there's, no, there must no. have been, God must have led you down a path. Yeah, and, and Jason can attest, and Janice's wife. I was minding my own business, Mike. I'm, I'm a simple guy. I'm probably center of the bell curve, smart. So I have nothing. I just I fell in love with Jesus Christ, okay? I wiped his feet with my tears, and I dried them with my commitment. That's the last thing I... Heard 35 years ago when I met him. I kissed his face and I've never stopped. Most of the time, sometimes I want to just yell at him and sometimes I want to kiss his face off continually. But that's what I did. And then in 2009, well, 2008, I moved my family back from India. We were missionaries in India. And I had a wife and five kids at the time. Now I have a wife, wife and 12 kids. Not my fault. <laughs> Sorry, thought I'd do a little pause there. <laughs> Dramatic pause, right, Jason? Yeah. And uh, all we did was we obeyed the scriptures, and we went out and we started Express Missions International in 2009, but it was not designed to do anything heroic. It was only designed to do one thing, Mike, and that was to lift up the arms of the indigenous missionaries in all the countries of the world where we found God putting his finger. So we did that. That's all we did. And it was a mindless aim, you know, just Jesus, you lead, we'll, we'll follow. So 2010, minding my own business, Mike, uh, I get a phone call. Well, sorry, it was actually a, a an emergency communication from one of our missionaries on the border of two countries, and I won't tell the names of the countries. And this is a peasant farming missionary. He still walked 10 to 15 miles to bring the gospel barefooted. I, I'm not, I'm not lying. And he, he dialed me up on, he said, ACG. He said, what would you do? I'm looking at three cattle trucks full of girls. And the bad guys have gone into the cantina to go get sloshed. What will you do? And Mike, I don't know. Am I stupid? Is my heart too big? Am my brain too small? I just said, I told him, I said, yeah, I'll do what I can. Within six hours, 58 little girls and 21 little babies had been rescued miraculously, indirectly from our efforts and the efforts of those on the ground. Within six hours, those children were rescued from the bad guys. And I'm asking you, Mike, I'm asking you, Jason, could you ever go back? Could you ever go back to pencil pushing in a little posh green room somewhere in happy dappy land Christianity? I was hooked. And, and I mean, hooked like cocaine hooks, like methamphetamines hooked. But it was Jesus hooked. He had his fish hook right in my nose and he hasn't let go. So that started a journey toward anywhere we could find them. We would go every, we were in 18 countries of the world at the same time. And we did it most effective, efficient, expedient. And yeah, we were called shysters. We even were accused of sampling the product. Like, oh yeah, right. We were accused of everything under the sun because I'm telling you now, and I want to warn you listeners, don't obey Jesus if you got if you're a gutless coward. 
don't do what he tells you if you don't really want to do it. Just go find a little hole somewhere and crawl into it and escape hell and jump into heaven and, and join getting your little mansion in the corner somewhere. Cause I'm telling you, I have paid and Jason and Janice know I have paid more than any man for jumping out there, stepping into that, which I quote unquote shouldn't have, but I'm telling you right now, 12,000 plus girls, most of those underage women and girls, some boys, mostly girls, are now living without the fear of being raped, without the fear of being beaten to half to death, without the fear of abuse, control, and destruction. I lost everybody. I lost every, I lost every friend. I lost my family. I lost everybody and everything. But now, but now we're coming back. We're coming back. And we have the structure. We have the plan. We have the operatives in motion, in place. And yes, we still have those same people, the same indigenous, poor, eating one bowl of rice per day, barely surviving, but still tearing it up for Jesus' missionaries. They are still on speed dial. They're still waiting to rescue. Some of them rescue 10, 15, 30, 100, 500 a month. They won't tell you that. They don't count the numbers. They just look at the smiles and they look at the tears of joy. And they look at the little girls. And I can identify with Jim Caviezel, character, Tim Ballard. I can identify with these guys. I scraped so many kids off the sidewalks, I can't tell you. And that's not hyperbole. I literally scraped kids out of ditches and off the sidewalks, into my arms, limp from being raped. Nothing left, nothing but a little hollow shell that's barely alive. And many of them committed suicide even after because of the neurological stuff. I'm telling you, it's real. And, I, and if I can encourage people, go watch that movie. Don't you dare watch that movie. Pay your five, ten bucks, watch that movie. And don't have an after action step afterwards. You go watch that movie. And then you decide doing something, helping pay for it, helping pray for it, helping Send us operators in the in the in the theater. We'll do the work. We'll get our hands dirty. We'll risk our lives. I know Jason will. I know freaking Janice will. I know that they're dirty. They're dirty with the hand, the blood and the sweat and the tears of these little kids. They're dirty with that. And they'll go get more. They don't care. They've given up their lives a thousand times. I know Jason and Janice. But I'm telling you, there are thousands like Tim Ballard. Wow. He just praised God he finally got his movie. Okay, so let me ask you guys um, just kind of a hard question because, you know, Americans, myself included, you know, we we absolutely live in a bubble. We are isolated from a lot of the hard crazy things that are going on, you know, in like third world world countries and whatnot. How does, how do these people operate? Like, how do they get these kids? Why do they get the kids? 
are they, I mean, take me through that because I think there's a lot of people that they hear this and, it, and they, they'll go and watch the movie, but they don't under, they don't really understand that this is a reality for some people's lives. Yeah. Let me give you one example. Okay. And let's metastasize that by tenfold. But let me give you one in a country in Africa on a border of two countries. We exfilled 19 little girls out of a, of a vicious, vicious group in Africa. Here's how it started. Everybody's starving. The families are living on nothing. And the little girls in Africa and many, most countries, their job or responsibility is to go collect the, food, the water for the family on their head in the little buckets or the little pots. And these 19, year, 19 girls in that country, they went out to a, a river and they collected the water as they were supposed to do day in and day out. And they put it on their head and they were walking back and they were taken because the bad guys were in the bush and invited them with food. They were starving to death. And the bad guys said, it was the Janjaweed that, that were there in that time. And the Janjaweed said to the little girls, we will feed you and take care of you. And this is emergency 911 compared to the grooming process that happens in America, yet it's all in, 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 the, in Eastern Europe, but it's still the same. It just happens quicker because they're starving to death. And the little girls, I, I, the average age was 11. And they went to get the food and the guys took them. Well, there's no ransom because they're not going to get money from the parents. So what they did, they took the kids and they sold them. And, and, and tourists, a lot of foreign tourists came in and said, oh, you know, pedophile tourists came in. So oh, 11, 12, 13-year-old African girls, this is great. I'll show you a picture of a little girl. Uh, we re just one that we, we rescued, and she's now already finished her primary school because of us. And she's doing great. And all of these stories, protecting their names and, and their places because of the innocence, but all of these stories are incredible ban red banner stories of how they are now doing so well in their psyche, in their, in their schooling, in their families. We were buying kids at one point. for We had a website one time called 50 for One because we actually, in one year, we rescued 4,800 girls in, in 2011. Now, here's the good news, Mike. We rescued all of them from ever, ever seeing the inside of a brothel. And here's how. We intercepted the bad guy. The bad guys would come in and offer the starving families, say, $300 per girl. So what we would do is we would give the families $400. We would trump the bad guys. And so we would pay for the, we would pay the ransom much like St. Nicholas of old, who was became Santa Claus, we would pay the ransom for their freedom. And the families never had to sell their kids. Isn't that awesome? Wow. That's just one year, 4,800. I counted them. The, the countries that this is happening in, the law enforcement isn't pursuing this? Well, of course, they, they on the surface, 
And I'm going to tell you, most of these countries, they're so, it's so hard to exist, brother. Yeah. Mike, I'm telling you, get off the tarmac to any one of these third world countries and you'll jump back on that tarmac in a hot second. It is tough out there. So I'm not going to disparage the leadership of these countries. But I'm going to tell you, most of them, if they were listening, they would nod their head. Most of them get by and survive day to day with bribery, corruption, and survival techniques that would split your hair that you couldn't imagine. They have to live. They, they, they will make choices based on the very next meal, and so will the victims' families. And now I'm telling you, this is most of the world, okay? Two-thirds of the world, okay? So let's say two-thirds of seven billion, whatever the math is there. And these country politicians and leaders, they have to survive. Now, the corruption gets in their souls, yes, and they get all Saddam Hussein about things and want their rich palaces, and, but they're much like the politicians in our country, whatever it takes to keep position. And bribery, is, bribery and corruption are the two that go hand in hand on a daily basis from the marketplace you find yourself in, being cheated in the marketplace in a third world country, to the bribery that you have to do at the border just to get to the airport. You better bring bribery money or you won't get out. And people say, oh, bribery. Yeah. So what we don't understand is it is not anything like you've ever think, thought, or imagined. It's 10 times worse. And people are living just to eat. What's, what's the profile of, of the person that is purchasing a girl? I mean, is it Americans going over there? Is it Europeans? I mean, is it people within their own country that are purchasing them? I mean, who who is who are these people? Like, what's what's the average Joe's profile that's going in there or John, okay. I'd say? Yeah, yeah, they're John. If there were 100 Johns that went into, let's say, Bangkok, and I worked... I worked the red light district of, of Thailand and we did a lot of extraditions there. If there are a hundred Johns, I'm going to guesstimate 80 of the hundred are from America or Western Europe. Another 10 would be from Eastern Europe. Now, let me say 70 from America and Western Europe, 10 from Eastern Europe, and then the rest would be from the Middle East. Wow. And those are the buyers of the product. Right. In America, in America, it's pastors, judges, and Jason is really nodding his head right now, I can tell. It's judges, pastors, politicians, plumbers, regular white-collar, blue-collar guys that are not getting sex at home, so they find a little seedy motel run by the Crips or the Bloods, and they go have fun. That's one of the things that I'd like to elaborate on. I mean, the stuff overseas, I mean, AC can really, you know, witness to a lot of the stuff that goes on over there, and he's absolutely right about the Thailand area, Bangkok, stuff like that. Uh, here in America, we are quickly disintegrating into a third world country. 
And that's where our operations in America are going to come into play. We need to have the structure, the foundation, the assets and the resources in place to inflict real damage on these people and their operations for when the American dollar is completely devalued because American people are going to reach that point that we've seen in Iraq, Afghanistan, Thailand, Romania, uh, places like that, because things are deteriorating so quickly. We have to have the structure set up here. And that's just to deal with the gangs, the politicians, the tyrants, uh, the political advocates for this type of trafficking. Uh, And that's just to deal with them. That's not even getting into the desperate families and the people that are so distraught financially that they are going to resort to selling their children or the wives even selling themselves because they have to put food on the table. This is a very, very real and complex problem. And we have to have the support. We have to have the structure and we have to have the framework in place to fight it, not just now while we're somewhat stable, but increase that fight when things destabilize even further. Yeah. And I'm going to go very eloquently, but I'll say this, Mike, anybody that says the broad brushstroke statement, we're here to end human trafficking. Don't listen to them. We are, we're never going to end it until Jesus comes back. Okay. Until the end of the world, men will, of corrupt nature will continue to do corrupt things. Well, what Jason and I have done and are going to continue to do is build such a wonderful machine, workable, sustainable machine with human heart that will rescue, reach rescue and fully restore as many of those women and children as possible. Much like the movie Sound of Freedom. Tim Ballard, and I talked to Tim Ballard's uh, uh, manager at some point about five years ago when I was overseas working with uh, one of the groups there. Their goal is to get as many as possible individual women and children, okay, And, and some men, but mostly women and children. So... It, it's the point is the fight is worth it because we know that not everyone is going to end up in heaven. And, and I'm sad to say that Jesus died, but he ultimately will have to kiss goodbye to a large number of people that will go to hell. There's just nothing we can do about that. But you tell that to Billy Graham, you tell that to Reinhard Bunke, you tell that to the missionaries that get out there daily and preach the gospel around the world. They know that God called them to reach as many as possible. So that's our goal. We will not eradicate an evil and we will not pretend to do so, but we will save those caught in it, whoever Jesus has sent us to. And what that will entail is we need God's people who are on the sidelines and enjoying the life that they have now to do simply, simply do something. And that is one give to us. We're sticking our neck out and we need, I, I, I ain't afraid to ask for money anymore. 
We need money to fuel our operations, but also take care of us. Yeah. You know, we live on not a lot. And sometimes, you know, pillar to post. Okay. So we need God's people to help us support us as well, as well as the operations themselves. We need people to pray, but don't say pray and not give as well. In fact, we had, there was a, there was sort of a, a, an unwritten rule that we had amongst the, the abolitionist movement that I was a part of for over 12, 15, 13 years. And that was whenever someone said, I'll pray for you, they basically meant get out of my head, get out of my hair. And so what we would do is we would share intel, very spicy, dicey, specific, strategic intel. I mean, very specific intel, but only with those that would put together something that would get us enough money to go do the operations. I'm talking, you want to see this intel? $10,000 donation, that kind of thing. Now, I'm not saying people have that, but I'm telling you, people want to jump in and help. Don't just nickel and dime. Help us a lot. Hmm. Now, again, yes, there are people that will pray. They don't have any money. Okay, that's fine. They can pray. And I'm telling you, spiritual warfare does a lot. But please don't just say pray when you've got money. But the third group, there's a group of you out there that have skills. Okay? You, you know you could do stuff in the middle of the night. You could do clandestine ops in your sleep. And you miss it. And some of you guys were doing shadow boxing and training when you had skills that should have been getting in and breaching doors and getting kids out. Well, we're the kind of people that can get you that kind of, that kind of situation. You, you need to work with us. You need to let us know you're out there. We'll be very careful. We've done this for a long time. We know how to work, how special operators think, how they work. And one of the greatest things I've ever done is I show them the cases and then I get my non-special self out of the way and I let the special operators do their stuff. So if you're listening right now and you're a special operator, you know that you hear me and Jason saying these things, you can trust that we know how to get out of your way. But we also know how to hear from heaven and get the cases to you that get you in theater. Wow, that's that's beautiful. Are you guys are you guys set up for receiving donations yet? Yes, yes, we are. Uh, if you go to archangelministries91.com, uh, there are several options on there. I mean, granted, we have T-shirts and hats and stuff like that that you can purchase in the web store. But we also have subscription basis where if you subscribe for a certain amount of month, you get access to my books, my writings, the training materials and stuff like that as they come out. Uh, but we also have a donate button right there, front page at the bottom, where you can donate to the ministry. And as soon as it clears and hits the bank account, it's directly allocated and directed to where it needs to go. Uh, because it's one of those things like for the team that I'm working on building in Ohio right now, right? Uh, I can do some of the training digital, sure. But there's a lot of training that has to be done, boots on the ground, working actual cases. Yeah. So for me to take off work for a week, two weeks at a time, 
I have to have money that's going to cover the bills. I have to have yeah. money for firearms, ammunition, uh, training regimen, materials, access to decent ranges, and all kinds of stuff. So there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes that people don't see. The most important thing is definitely God's leading and him drawing the people in. However, there's also the financial footprint that we have to have backing for in order to build these teams and structure them the way they need to be structured and teach them how to network, how to connect with good, solid men and women in the local law enforcement agencies, uh, even the federal bureaus, however few of them there are left that actually have good people. And we have to be able to bring this stuff to fruition. And unfortunately, it takes money in order to do that. Everyone who's listening to this and you heard what AC said just a second ago, you know, you can give money or if you have the ability to do those things, knocking down doors, he's calling on you. Don't let, don't go to bed without clicking something on the internet to take a step forward in the direction that you feel God is calling you. Yeah. And I'll say this, it's not always knocking down doors. We work smart not hard. We don't even have breaching materials. Most of the time it's just Intel work and it's working smart males, females, you know, we work with anybody that is ready to go. And I will say, uh, if you have mad skills, remember we have to coalesce. We cannot just go, Hey, run out there and do, we have a modus operandi. There are things, ways that we do things. We have vehicle training, human training, ESEC, VSEC training, things like that. Um, Empty-handed firearm training, but a lot of nonverbal and verbal communication training. We have soft environment, hard environment, and non-permissive environment training. And all the special operators listening now know everything I just said. Here's the thing. Listen to the podcast right now. Go watch that movie. Maybe after that, watch the movie Taken. Most of the movie stuff is absolutely preposterous. But I'll say this. Ask Jesus what specific part you would he would ask you to play. And do that. And don't let anyone talk you out of it. You know, you're going to get a thousand people tell you, why don't you give money to this? Why don't you give time to this? If Jesus says, do it, if it hairlifts the governor, do it, <laughs> you know, because he is the commander in chief of your life. We don't have the right to tell the maker of heaven and earth and the maker of our very next breath and heartbeat that we are not going to obey him. We don't have that right. You know, we are his sons and daughters and his servants. And we must say yes Guys, if the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus for us, then why are the promises from us to him not the same? We can't say, Jesus, you sure changed my life. Thank you for being so sweet and perfect, wonderful and merciful and not send me to eternal hell and clean up my life. And then he doesn't ask something super awesome from us. And he will. He's not going to ask something tiny. He's going to say, give up your life for me. So you get you get the intel from somewhere and now you're going to go ahead and you're going to execute like let's say just the process. Like how does this process look like from finding out who did it to actually 
all the way through of, you know, trying to get these uh, young girls and some boys healing? Well, uh, I'll give you an example here in America, and then I'll let AC uh, take it from there. Uh, but like here in America, as we discussed, there's traditional human trafficking, non-traditional human trafficking, right? Non-traditional human trafficking usually involves the darker aspects of it, the ritual abuse, the rape, the molestation, the programming and things of that nature. So I'm going to expound on that a little bit because that is the more extreme and more complicated uh, as far as operations go. Uh, and I handle these cases on a regular basis. We've got a few in Ohio right now, several here in Memphis. And uh, the tree is massive. You know, like uh, George Carlin once said, it's a big club and you ain't in it, right? Huh. Uh, so the first thing that we do is we go out and we minister and bring backpacks and gifts to these girls that are out on the street, right? And we build up a rapport. We build up that emotional connection, that trust, that bond. And when they open up and start to give us something that we can act on, that human intelligence, the next step is for us to start staking out these people and tracing back a digital connection. We look for things like chats and stuff on the dark web, videos, tracing IP addresses, and things of that nature. After that, we go into... Uh, physical stakeouts, going to where there's rumors that an operation is going to take down where they're handing off children or something along that. And then we will use uh, video, uh, drones, things of that nature to gain that intelligence and get facial recognition and things like that for the people that we know. Uh, and then after that is the actual actionable piece. We will hand off the evidence to people that we trust and stuff that are within the government. And then we will continue our stalking, so to speak, to look even further into this and see what more evidence we can gather. Uh, and at that point, uh, we work with as much as we can in the system to try and bring these people to justice. However, I will be the first to tell you if I am out on a stakeout or something and I see clearly that a child is being abused, uh, I will reach out to my people in law enforcement, but I'm not hesitating. I'm moving in because I'm not going to let these kids suffer. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, so after that, you know, we hope that we can work within the system to bring these people down here in the States. Uh, but we run into problems, you know, corrupt judges, corrupt politicians, uh, corrupt police, law enforcement, that kind of thing that try and provide protection and shielding to these people. So it's a problem that we constantly have to adapt to and find workarounds for. However, we are able to get in and actually rescue these children and get them out of harm's way. Uh, so that's the biggest thing is us building that network, building that system here in America. So we have people that are reliable and trustworthy in all walks of life to be able to liberate the children here. Uh, now overseas, it's a bit different because we can operate, you know, sometimes carte blanche or however, whatever leeway we're given by the hosting country and whatnot. And AC can actually speak a bit more on that. So I'll uh, let him take it from there. There were so many different ways. Like I said, there were interception options. International, all I can say is it's like deep sea fishing versus freshwater fishing. Um, the process, my point is the process was different. Not every time, 
there were certain um, there were certain things that were innate and written codes and infrastructures that we never ever abandoned. But for the most part, you got to internationally. You have to deal with: is this a soft target environment? hard target environment or non-permissive completely. In other words, you're not allowed in. So we just went about it different. Like I got to be honest, I, I want to be able to answer that. There's a reason, a couple of reasons why I'm a little bit hesitant to answer specifically. One is there isn't really a, a one, two, three to overseas. Um, and the other reason is, we definitely have to protect our what we did and how we did it by broadcasting that privately. Um, those that join our teams, they would know more of what we did and how we did it. Tim Ballard uh, and I, uh, Tim was a very same. I talked to Underground Railroad and there, the way they did things overseas was very similar to ours, but um with a few variations, but much like Jason said, you have to identify first of all, who, what, where, and what, how you got to in, get develop Intel and you got to do surveillance and you can't be sloppy. So you got to make sure Intel is correct and Intel is sustainable. Um, second, when you do start to, um, Procure teams for deployment. You better do some serious training based on that intel. And if that intel fluctuates, you have to do what the military said. We flag, uh, we flag go, we flag orders. Um, we would change uh, our orders to or tweak them a certain way to match the new intel. And the, the, the intel had to stay fresh. It had to be very up-to-date within, within a 24-hour period. So once we would get uh, expat operators into place, which was normally not our favorite way to expat special operators, most of the time we worked strictly with indigenous uh, individuals who did everything from intel to rescue to everything. We just did all the, the bank rolling and the and the site surveillance and the site intel and all that stuff. But now let's get to the rescue. The rescue had to be flawless and seamless. The infill was important, but the exfill was more. Because we had to get every principal, VIP, some people call them, which would be the girls, the victims. We had to get them and all of our teams out. And if we worked most of the time with indigenous networks, all of our network guys out. And since we're representative of Christ, we couldn't kill bad guys unless fired upon. <laughs> so if you can imagine, the infill was probably a little bit less of a, of a, ha a hair splitter than the exfill. But once the exfill was complete, we would do backtracking. We would go back and we'd clean up our make sure all of our counter surveillance and counterintelligence was taken care of, all of that from after exfil. 
And then we would do, we would begin to process the victims through our neurological trauma therapy. And sometimes that was remote because our therapists were in the States and the kids were in the IDP camps somewhere or in their homes in a, in a little safe house somewhere on a border somewhere. But we would do extensive, uh, intensive neurological trauma therapy. And we would follow through all the way until the, the young girl was whole, basically. And there were neurological things that, you know, tests that she had to pass to make sure she was okay to, to go back into society and go back into the marketplace and work or function again with her family. So international is a crazy beast. <laughs> it is not anything. It's really, but like Jason said at the beginning, there's similarities because you still got to do a lot of homework on the front end. You got to do a lot of safety and pre-check, mid-check, post-check. Am I right, Jason? You know, you're checking all the time and you're training the whole time you're doing it, just like a military operation. You're like, okay, uh, Bill, if Bill is on my team, Bill, did you, did you check your gear here? Did you check this? Now check it again. But I just checked it. I don't care. Check again. We're about to go 10 meters into that place there. And the girl is 15 meters. Check it again. You know, that kind of thing. Um. Uh, check, you know, so I hope I answered that good enough. And to get back to Jason's point about, you know, you need money to be able to do this stuff. Um, on the domestic side, for like Jason, and if I, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but you're you're saying that you'll actually go out, you're going to surveil, surveil these guys, gather intelligence, and then give it to police enforcement to see if they'll do anything about that. And so... While you're doing that, you're saying like, cause you're not getting paid, right? You're telling people like, Hey, look, I'm willing to do what you won't do. It's not a knock. It's just the truth. And that that's why we need money to be able to do this. Exactly. I mean, that's the slim skinny of it. You know, there's a handful of us. I mean, I wish that we had the numbers to rival the infrastructure that the enemy has in place. But we simply right. and we also have to have the finances in place to rival that structure as well. I mean, anytime we take we successfully rescue children and manage to actually take somebody down, you know, it's like fighting a hydra. You cut off one head and two more take its place. You know, so it's a cycle. But, you know, our only option is to either give up and then come up with some excuse to Jesus on judgment day why we didn't push forward and continue the fight or to tie up our boots, put on our equipment, go back out in the field and do what has to be done because other people won't do it. And it's one of those things, you know, I, I struggle with this on a regular basis. You know, uh, you can ask my wife, I despise most of Christianity. I really do. Uh, not from a brethren type perspective, I despise the inaction. I despise yeah. the unwillingness to actually pick up a sword and go to war. I despise this false doctrine of Christian pacifism with such an extreme amount of hatred that it just it boils my blood to even get on the subject. It's because weak men do nothing that evil is prevailing, and I'm sick 
and tired of the excuses. I'm sick and tired of all these people sitting on the church pews, suffering in their cognitive dissonance and refusing to take action. I am tired of it. So you know what? If you won't do it, I will. And I will take the people that are willing to take the fight to the enemy on God's behalf any day of the week over any rich man, any poor man, any lawyer, any attorney, any law enforcement officer. If you're not willing to actually take the fight to the enemy, get out of my way because I'm going to lead the charge. You know, I have a wife and 12 kids. And most of those I have to still support. Um, if the body of Christ right now said, here's the end of my cognizant dissidence. I want to, I want to pay Jason and Janice's way for them to leave their full-time job and go do this full-time. You would see 10 times more children rescued and women rescued within months. Okay. I think my battery's going down. I may need to. And I'm the same way. If Let's just throw out a figure. If someone would pay me $8,000 a month and take up my salary to live, eight to $10,000 a month, I could take care of my wife and 12 children, and I could do face 100%, square my shoulders, like Jason and Janice, to do nothing but take the fight to the enemy. We could do that. So the first thing, and I, I hate to sound selfish, but if the church could say, look, we don't know about those kids. We don't know about operations, but we love you. Good. We're missionaries. Missionaries deserve to be taken care of. And I'm going to challenge your listeners. Support Jason and Janice with what they need. I don't know what they need. Six, 8,000 a month. I need $8,000 to $10,000 a month salary by the church. If you pay our salaries, and I'm telling you, you will read about the rescues in the paper. We need your help. And I'm not, that sounds so selfish. I've never asked for anything all my life, but I'm starting to ask now because I know that if I had the wind of God's people back in me in the form of dollars, in my bank account every month, like a salary, I could do the work that I've been doing for decades and we would be a force to be reckoned with. So I, I am appealing. I am asking. I'm sticking my hand out and I'm saying, please support Jason and Janice monthly and support me monthly so that we then can do the rest of the operations with other people that will help fuel the tank of the operations. Please don't, don't, don't wait now. Just start helping us now. If we were a three piece suit pastor up in the church telling you, if you give us money, we can get this nice Lear jet that we can fly around and preach the gospel. You might give money to that. I'm not poking fun at them, but what about the actual foot soldiers that are actually getting their hands dirty? That's us. I don't want to sidetrack too much, but Jason, AC, I feel I feel your hearts. Um, the American church is going to hell in a handbasket, man. No, no doubt about it. We are so selfish. We are so consumed with 
trying to be better than the next pastor, being better than him, doing videos and getting likes and all of this stuff. And we're leaving those children. I mean, it, it just correlates to that. We're leaving those children, you know, in the hands of the enemy, you know, and we're not thinking on a day-to-day basis. Most of us are not thinking about this type of stuff. And, um, you know, I'm really glad that you guys are bringing more awareness to this. And Jason, this would be a question for you, you know, because a lot of people, you know, you live in a big city, right? And a lot of people would say, well, I don't see that happening in my city, right? Can you give us kind of the, the lowdown of who's doing this? Is it, is it the mafia? Is it the gangs? And who are the victims? How come we don't see the victims? Um, that's what I think people would say. Like, I don't see this stuff happening. And it's obviously in the underbelly, but, but talk to me about that. They don't see the victims because they refuse to see what's going on around them. They don't accept or look into the cases that briefly make appearances on the media. And the media is to blame for a lot of this because they refuse to report on the actual events and actual facts that matter to these children. They refuse to look at the cases of the numerous cases of missing persons and missing children reports just from the Child Protective Services and the foster care systems alone. Over 400,000 reported missing children cases a year. And that's a low, low number. You know, they refuse to even acknowledge them driving down Main Street, them driving down downtown and seeing the woman that's selling herself on the corner and the pimp that's literally standing 10 feet away from her saying, you're going to do this or I'm going to beat you until you bleed. They're refusing to look at all these cases involving sheriff's departments, Child Protective Services, where they're going in, taking kids from loving families and putting them into a corrupt system where they're being taken and reported as runaways or missing, where those kids are then turned around and sold into organ harvesting operations or straight into child trafficking. And these people turn a blind eye to it. You're not seeing it because you refuse to look. You want to live in your world of cognitive dissonance so much that accepting the truth causes you physical pain. You know, I need people to wake up. We need people to wake up. We need people to look at what's going on around them and accept the realities of the world that they live in. You know, there, there's a movie quote that has stuck with me ever since I was a kid. And uh, it was just from some cheesy comic book film when I was a child, right? It was Blade. And in one scene, he tells the girl, he said, you better wake up because the world you live in is just a sugar-coated topping. There's another world beneath it, the real world. And that is the exactly what we're facing right now. You refuse to accept the real world and the consequences that are involved in it. And these children are suffering because of your inaction. And I'm not dogging you. I understand. I know what it's like to have to be confronted with truth about something that's so horrible. I get it. I wish I could live in a dream world. But given what I was put through as a child, 
given what Janice was put through in a child, we cannot accept that sugar-coated topping. We live in the real world. We are knee-deep in the blood and the sacrifice and the rituals and everything else. I can't begin to tell people how many times gang members or covens have put a hit out on us simply because they don't like that we're exposing what they're doing. And we need people to join with us in this fight. So please don't brush it off, accept it for what it is, and then take a stand against it. Because the only way we bring any form of correction to this is if the people stand together to do it. Yeah. Um, wow, man. <clears throat> Dude, I had no idea what I was walking into tonight, Jason. <laughs> All right, brother. That's okay, man. No, you're good. Um, so yeah, just give me, give me a second here. We'll, I got, I got a lot more questions. I just want to, I'm just organizing them in my head. Um, Go ahead. So while you do that. Yes. Go ahead. Mike. Go ahead, AC. Can you hear us? Yeah, I have to put the phone into my ear. I have to plug my phone in. So let me read a scripture from Proverbs chapter 24, verse 11 through 12. This is a shocking, very shocking passage. Listen to this. Proverbs 24, 11 through 12. Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. That's verse 11. Now, I want you and your listeners to listen to verse 12 very carefully. You ready? Yes. God is speaking. This is God saying this. If you say, surely we did not know about this, does not he who weighs your hearts consider it? And he who keeps your soul, does he not know that you know about it? And will he then not also render to each one of you according to your deeds and to jason's point guys listen christianity is the single most bloody hard-working denying yourself putting your ear to the very heart of god every minute of every day religion, or it's not real at all. Jesus came and did everything he did not to have, make sure that we had comfortable places to be. He did it. He comforts the afflicted, yes, but he afflicts the comfortable even more. You think about this. When you were comfortable in your sin, when you were comfortable getting drunk, and beating your wife, when you were comfortable cheating on your taxes and comfortable bribing and corrupting people, he had to afflict you in your comfort, in your comfortability. One of the greatest things he does is not comfort you in your affliction, but he afflicts you when you're too comfortable. And I'm going to say this right now to everyone listening. This could be the greatest moment of your life as a real, true believer. Or it could be the moment when you actually become one. Because some of you have not ever really tasted the heavenly gift. 
You tasted a prayer at the beginning. When the pastor said it, you repeated it, and then you smiled, and he said, now you're going to heaven. But that was not Jesus. He did not say, you said a little sinner's prayer. Now go and go have a great fun time. That is not and never was Christianity. So today, he sent a couple of crazy Christians on a podcast with a crazy podcaster. Maybe to save you. Are we going to save girls? Yeah. But did God actually send us tonight to save you as well? Do you do you know that your very comfort and convenience and the commitment that you have to make sure you do nothing outside of that safety zone is actually killing you spiritually? Did you know you are ticking God off by telling him, I won't do. I know you're hungry, but I don't care. I know you're thirsty, but that's not our ministry. I know you're naked, but that's somebody else's work. I know you're in prison or in shackles and chains, but who cares? I run a Christian education ministry. That's my call. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because one day you all, on the sound of this podcast voice, may hear these very words. Listen to me. You may hear these words. Depart from me, you wicked one. Into the everlasting fire, prepare, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. And you will say, when were you hungry and naked and thirsty? And he said, when you didn't do to the least of these, my brothers, you didn't do to me. Who is it that Jesus Christ is looking for? He's looking for the least of these. So who is he going to choose? The best of these. And if you truly are a, an actual child of God, I pray that from this podcast, you would have nightmares. I know that's crazy. It's crazy for me to pray for you. But I don't pray blessing over you. I pray nightmares. I pray you wake up in a cold sweat and God calls you to the hurting and the broken from that cold sweat. Because when you do, when you do, then you are on track to living for Christ like he called you to. Amen, brother. And I want to touch briefly on one more subject just very quickly. You know, there's been a lot of talk tonight about taking the fight to the enemy and stuff like that. And I just want to say this, you know, I believe in the scriptures wholeheartedly. I believe we're supposed to pray for our enemies. And I do. But just like AC, I pray that God wakes you up in cold sweats and convicts you so hard that you will turn and you'll repent. And you'll start to work against the very organizations that you've entrapped yourself and the freedom of those children, women and boys in. That's my prayer. Because scripture clearly states, if anyone would attempt to harm one of these little ones, it would be better that a millstone was strung around their neck and they were cast into the depths of the sea. And I will tell you right now, my prayer is that you repent. My prayer is that you accept Christ and that you start to turn the tables and join ranks with us. Because when me and my team show up 
that opportunity is going to be gone out the window. <laughs> Nobody like you, Jason. You're awesome. So, so people are listening to this right now. Their hearts are being convicted and they're getting, they're scared. They're scared because they don't know how to, to, to put that first foot forward. First way you could do that. We already said it. You can go ahead and you could donate to the ministry. We're going to have yeah. all of those links available for you right now. As you're listening, you can click on that right now and you can do something. Then pray. Then, then you can pray. And then this is what I like to tell people all the time is you never know. You never know what somebody is going through when you see them on the side of the street, you see them on the road, they might be panhandling or whatever. If you're a Christian, you call yourself a Christian. You need to wake up to the fact that you carry a presence with you that's so powerful. And you and all you need to do is just do something. Talk to somebody. This is how Jason is telling us how this ministry started just by talking to people and ministering to them, ministering Christ to them. And then all of a sudden they get information, they get intel that leads to one place, so on and so forth. And then at the end of that road, it's a child being trafficked and sold. And that's happening in our backyards in some cases, in the house next door to us in some cases. So it's not hard. You carry the presence of God. Jason, what is a warrior for Christ supposed to be doing? First and foremost, we should be sharing the gospel and being hard driven to do whatever God calls us to do. If he calls you for intercessory and prayer, that's what you do. If he calls you to donate money, that's what you do. If he calls you to be boots on the ground and work with our teams and to minister to the lost and lonely and to rescue children, then that's what you do. Above all things, we are called to be warriors in Christ, and that is exactly what my book, Arise the Night, is about, because I want to teach you, I want to train you, I want to bring you up to the level you are supposed to be in, where you are not scared to act. Because the good book clearly tells us that we are to protect and defend the weak and the innocent. So what are you doing? If you're not doing that, then how can you claim to be Christian at all? If you're not doing that, then what delusion, what lie are you living in that your pastor has taught you all of these years? You know, the root of bad theology is taking scripture out of context and mix matching it to support your own personal doctrines and theory. Stop doing that. Read God's word. Read it with guidance from the Holy Spirit and allow him to direct you and guide you and build you up as the Christian men and women that you are supposed to be. That's my call to the church. Stop listening to these pastors and phonies like Kenneth Copeland and Joe Olstein and all these best life now nonsense loving fake Christians that are doing nothing but money laundering for the Satanists. Stop listening to them. Hey, let me let me just ask you guys a question. Like, let's say a guy, a mega mega church pastor, 
decided that I want to give an entire year of our, the money that comes in to our congregation, how many kids could they, could they, could they save? And we're talking, you know, millions of dollars here, right? How many kids could they save in a year? AC, I'll let you take that one, brother. Well, let me just say this right now we're we can save 5,000 girls uh, tomorrow. Uh, $1 million could probably be over a million girls. The way we do things. We can save a lot of, a lot of people because we do things very efficient, expedient, and uh, effective. So, you know, all I can say is the numbers would be staggering. So, uh, you, 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 because you're looking at seasoned people that guys that have done this for a long, long time, and we we just need we just need money. Yeah. And so, if we were given that chance, we were if someone took care of our family's salary, that would help, and then we could focus. And then if someone said, "Okay, now I want to." I want to fund an operation that would be probably the most costly thing, but we could get it done right away. Most, all of our indigenous missionaries are ready right now. Um, some of our domestic uh, operations, rescue America, uh, Rebecca Bender initiative that I work with, um, Evangelina Baffy, who's frontline against child sacrifice. They're ready right now and they're all doing uh, stuff that is producing mass numbers uh, quality and quantity so if someone jumped in right away they would be to see return their investment uh, in the, the freshwater pond of America to the deep sea fishing ocean of overseas immediately in fact 10 countries of the world right now so by this time next month your listeners could be getting uh, names of children uh, rescued already <laughs> and their names and their places. And they would have actually been a part of adopting those children, rescuing them and adopting. That's how fast it could happen. And that's how many would happen. So, Well, exactly. It's just like war brings pain. It brings suffering, right? So, Let's take what's going on in Ukraine, for, exa for example, right? You've got the Russian mafia, you've got Ukrainian mafia, corrupt politicians and stuff. They are capitalizing on this in human trafficking right now as we speak. So if we had a large donation right now, I would be comfortable with building a team and working with AC so we can get boots on the ground to counteract all the suffering and all the trafficking that's going on over there right now. And that's not even speaking to the other countries. That's not even speaking to what's going on on the American border and the trafficking that we're seeing there. That's not even speaking to infiltrating and bringing down covens, bringing down gangs, mafias, cartels, and things of that nature. But we have to have the support and the willingness of good-hearted men and women of God in order to bring this to fruition. Yeah. Uh, in Ukraine, I have Aliona Slavik and Aliona Pusinova. They're uh, working at the Odessa Oblast region. 
They've been working there for 20 years. I've been working with them for 20 years. Moldova, Alexandra Sanduliak working, uh, running ops from Ukraine to Romania to Moldova. Uh, Kenya, uh, Pakistan, uh, Bangladesh, the Chittagong Hill Tracks of Bangladesh right now. All of that south of Dhaka, Bangladesh. I got all of uh, northern India covered uh, from the, the Gurwali area of India already covered. Um, you got Kenya, Ethiopia, Uganda, uh, all of these right now. <laughs> we got uh, the Chin state of, of Myanmar, former Burma. We've got Thailand already ready to go. We've got America. In America, I've got a ministry that that all they need is the money to um, to put the girl up at the airport near the, the airport. Uh, Hotel near the airport as she's being filled, and then they they need the money for the airport. Excuse me, hotel. She gets home. This ministry procured free flights from Southwest. Southwest is giving free flights to victims, and Southwest is letting them fly without ID as long as they're accompanied with one of our operatives. So, guys, it's already hitting on all cylinders. It's as if you, you you joined Michael Jordan and the Bulls to get a championship or um, as Denver Nuggets, you, you said, I'm going to side with Joe Kitsch and Jamal Murray and I'm, I'm going to jump in and, and it's just so I can hoist the trophy. You can begin to get championship trophies right now, <laughs> right now. Evangelina Baffey is a frontline warrior right now, rescuing babies from child sacrifice convincing mothers to keep their babies and not kill them. She's already doing it. We can help hold her and hands up right now. So this isn't something that's going to happen months, years down the road. This is happening right now. Jason and Janice are ready right now to begin doing uh, the, the investigations. I'm ready right now. I'm poised. I don't have anything that, that would keep me from doing it. So, your listeners can know that it isn't something down the road. It can happen right after they give. They can begin to see it, the, the fruition. So I am we giving is number one. In fact, when we tell people, uh, someone comes to Jason or I say, "Hey, I got special skills. I'd love to help. Uh, I can uh, I can breach stores and, and I can run counterintelligence." The first question out of our mouth, out of Jason's mouth and mine. Is okay. Well, you start by giving. Give. There's a friend of mine that ran ops with me all over the world. He used to say, if a man won't give out of his pocket, he won't help you in the trench. Wow. And so if a man won't dig out of his bank account enough, if I say to you right now, Mike, Mike, I'm going to join your podcast and I'm just going to be in. And you say, well, why don't you start helping my podcast? Why don't you start taking the trash out or you know, you would want me to show that I meant to be a part of your, whatever you're doing there. Jason and I are the same way. Please come to us. Yes. Please pray for us. Yes. But giving, I hate to say it, but giving is number one because the money, if the cartel and Hezbollah and the John Juweeb and Boko Haram and all of them, and, and many, many more groups, the, 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 the organized criminal elements from A to Z, if they are putting all of their money into it, 
then can the church, which is the most, the greatest enterprise on planet Earth, can it not come together and start putting money into the machine of rescue? Dude, amen. Amen. Um, guys, um, I'm kind of running out of time here, but is there anything, is there anything else you want to hit on you want to touch on? I think you guys uh, both did very well tonight. Go ahead, Jace. Uh, my biggest thing is just like AC said, you know, we, we're firing on all cylinders. We have people that are ready to go. You know, we have intelligence. We have cases. We have everything set up exactly the way it needs to be. The only thing that's holding us back at this point is the financial support needed to make the final push in order to go in and support our teams and start bringing children out in mass in order to provide them with the futures, the love and the protection that is required. Amen. Amen. So, um, let's just, let's just pray real quick. Um, I'm not going to pray you guys. One of you guys needs, needs to pray. Cause you guys, have, you're seeing it. So, you know, AC, please pray, pray for the people that are listening to this. Um, pray for their hearts to be, yeah. to be convicted for this. Well, and it's funny. You said any last thoughts. The first thought that popped in my mind, Mike was, I want to pray for our listeners. They've heard a whole lot of stuff, Adam, tonight, and some of it almost angry or pressure. But let's let's dial it now. Let's bring it before the throne. Father, none of the things that we said tonight, none of the things that were shared were meant to impugn the greatness of the church. Lord, we cannot say we love you and don't love your your, your bride or your body. And we love your church, God. First and foremost, we love your church. But God, we're just, we're going to pray. We're praying now for the listeners, not just for the sake of the little women and children and the victims, not just for our sakes who go out and rescue them, not just for the teams. Let's, let's do something for the listeners tonight. Lord, would you pour over them such peace and joy right now? Not the fake stuff that comes from somewhere else. But the real bona fide, you are smiling at them because they're listening to you, peace. Lord, just pour into them right now. And with that pouring in, would you give them that the necessary godly conviction? None of this is con condemnation. It's all conviction from you. Would you convict them the way you do best and then show them your way? Lord, I, we pray right now that that takes their wallet and their bank account and they put it on the bed and they say, Lord, I give this to you. I dedicate it to this ministry or whatever ministry. I give it to you, God. Lord, bless them. Overwhelm them with more blessing and give them more than they could ever think, ask or imagine. Please go to ArchangelMinistries91.com and sign up to become a partner with Jason and AC to help set these kids free. Until next time, God bless. Hey, they came down to top vanity, brought the proliferation of humanity. Hey, fallen sons of the most high God took advantage of the planet he made, forming a holy alliance of evil and look at the daughters of Adam and Bane. Then the flood rain came to restore his creational order to how he arranged. 
put the disembodied spirit to the giants that want